if we believe it's worth doing, then we need to believe it's worth doing well. And there's no no doubt that what goes on in Bible class and science class and math class supersedes what goes on on a basketball court to some degree. We understand that in athletics, but we also believe that we can play a viable role totally. in supporting the academic and, more importantly, the mission and vision of a school or institution. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of reflection and collaboration as we seek to keep growing as teachers. This podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the 90th episode of the Hallway Conversations podcast. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Friends, we're always looking for topics of conversation and feedback, so please email us or send us a recording of your question to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. We're looking for relevant and timely ideas for you or your community or your teaching, so please let us know if you have a show topic ruminating around in your head. We'd love to hear from you. Today we're joined by Mr. Ross Dama, a friend of the program, the athletic director at Dory University, where he currently serves. Ross has also served as the head men's basketball coach and led his team to the national tournament on three different occasions. He has also served as an assistant professor of health and human performance, Prior to Dort, Ross was involved in secondary education in both public and faith-based schools in Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin. In addition to promoting holistic athletics at Dort via the Defender Way, which we'll talk about, Ross enjoys speaking at regional civic functions, high school graduations, and area churches when the time permits. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Thanks for inviting me here yeah. for your 90th episode. It's a big so deal. We're glad right? to have you. You're a big deal, and the 90th episode is a big deal. <laughs> Ross, Ali, and Dave, in a previous life in what some might refer to as the 1980s, which I'm <laughs> trying to forget, I participated in every high school sport imaginable. Where I came from, Christian schools participated in some sports against our public school rivals, and sports like men's volleyball and track and field were two of my favorite. But we also had what were known as Christian school tournaments, which were a really big deal in British Columbia. Hmm. They offered us opportunities to play a variety of sports, some traditional, some non-traditional, against our vaunted Christian school rivals. Hmm. In that context, I had a chance to play badminton, softball, ball hockey, and even tennis, and we won't even talk about how that went. (laughs) Let me be very clear. There is no correlation between playing all these sports and actually succeeding at them, but I loved it and have great memories and appreciated those opportunities. Hmm. I was thinking about that this week. Words I associated with high school sports were words like freedom and carefree and fun. It felt like low-stakes opportunities to use some of my gifts in a unique way with friends of mine. But I feel like something has shifted for both athletes and parents today, and I wonder if we're in danger of high school athletics, specifically in Christian schools, getting away from us. Or maybe it already has. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's the pressure to win, and there's nothing wrong with winning. I love winning, I promise you. (laughs) Maybe it's the pressure of scholarships. Maybe it's a question of identity. Mm -hmm. Ross, there's lots to to talk about around athletics, and we're thankful that you're here because we know you have given it deep thought. But I'm wondering if a place to start is if you can share a little bit about your own experience in athletics, what it's meant to you and your family maybe, and why do you continue to be involved with it? 
Yeah, no, thanks for that wonderful context, Matt. You go back to the 1980s and uh, remember those years well when there was a lot of really carefree play. Uh, it was mm-hmm. unstructured. Uh, it was just allowed to happen. And you saw uh, a lot of sandlot games, pickup mm-hmm. games that happened organically, and they were free of adult supervision and oversight. Right. And mm-hmm. it was just fun. Yeah. And I think as time has persisted, it's become a bit more cumbersome for young people to play athletics because it's so structured, it's so formulated for them, and you rarely see a pickup game of basketball at a local court, or you see the ball diamond being used by youngsters who ride their bikes and bring their bats and balls and gloves mm-hmm. down to the park, and uh, would really love to see us get back to uh, those uh, those days gone by. But uh, athletics uh, certainly played a viable role in my life and my upbringing. I think, like most of us who go into any particular profession, uh, we do so because we were influenced by people once upon a time who... Uh, the Lord put in our path, and I would say that's true of myself. I had a number of very influential coaches, both at the middle school and high school level, and because of their influence, I wanted to become a coach uh, at the middle school Mm -hmm. and high school level myself and majored in education and taught for 14 years in the K-12 setting and coached sports of football, golf, baseball, um, and, of course, basketball along the way, and uh, really um, just wanted to be involved with the sport. And I take a look at athletics, and I just believe it has the potential to be just a wonderful vehicle for so many things in life. Um, However, I do think that uh, it's severely tainted in our society today Mm -hmm. and uh, in need of Mm -hmm. redemption and and reform. And that's what we're seeking to do here at Dort University by way of of our Defender Way. But the immense potential and the intimate contacts that... uh, Athletics really affords is something that we don't want to miss. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. doing athletics differently and doing them better than what society currently deems is appropriate for us today certainly needs to be our aim. Right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, well said, Ross. Ross, in, in spite of some of those changes, in spite of some of the loss of the carefreeness, the organicness, the sandlot, the kids <laughs> just playing out without adults, um, overseeing them, like you say, it has shifted. What still delights you about athletics? So, like, what what is beautiful about it, and how do you see it? In spite of the brokenness, the potential for it to contributing to human flourishing, or can it still? Maybe is a is a question. No, I think it can, Matt. And I think what's really motivating and invigorating about it is once all the structures have been removed. In other words, once the dates and the times have been uh, established, and the youngsters arrive at the venue, then it becomes very carefree. And Mm, for that moment in time, there you have just the organic play that can naturally uh, arise from a setting of such. And the car ride home, perhaps it can be somewhat tenuous, but for that (laughs) short time of where they're just playing, (laughs) it's great. And I think that's what we want to shoot for. And I think that's the the aim as we put together and uh, prepare for our own programs and initiatives, just providing that time where it can be very uh, free and and, uh, invigorating for the youngsters. Yeah, Ross, this is so interesting that you talk about um, unstructured play. I just 
Oh, two weeks ago when it was still warm. Do you remember that yeah. before we slipped back? There weren't, many, there weren't many days, no, so we there were a few. Well. Wait, yes. Iowa? Yeah, oh, right? Oh, yeah. There was, remember, there was brief, like, little summer, and then we went back. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So during that time, yes. my kids got in a routine in the neighborhood, and they had all these ball games going, awesome. right? In my huge backyard. It's great and to at, hear. And yeah. at one point, I was sitting out there. I was just sitting in the sun. I am not an adult to intervene. Yeah. And I. I don't know if you all know that about me, but if my kids are playing and I am, you are playing. I'm not in it. And so, but I wanted to be outside in the sun because it was so warm, right? So I'm in my lawn chair reading and just listening. And I, at one point I sent a text to my husband and I said, the amount of interpersonal skills that these kids are developing, like I had, they, and they did try to come to me for a while for conflict resolution. And I just was like, no, figure it out. And, like, the, the skills that I watched happen in real time among these kids from 12 to 7 was the youngest. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. All trying, and can you imagine a 12-year-old who's really good playing with a 7-year-old who is my son? <laughs> right? Trying to hang in there. And it was just, it was fascinating. And so I think the potential, like you were yeah. talking about, is so great yeah. for some of those real-life skills well said and i I concur with you abby that those are just the moments you want to like capture and uh, be able to replay again and again Mm -hmm. in the future and it's interesting you mentioned that that was really one of our hope deep hopes with the advent of the american state bank sports complex and open turf time where we were just going to allow a two or three hour block of play to happen naturally there would be nothing constructed in terms of this is a particular sport that's going to happen on this section of the turf, or mm-hmm. at this time we're going to play kickball. It was going to be interesting. You have 120 square feet of turf, go play. Yeah. And what we've observed has just been extremely encouraging and heartening mm-hmm. where youth from different backgrounds, public schools, Christian schools, mm-hmm. private schools, Various ages, they will come in there and they will play kickball for 45 minutes. They'll play touch football for another 15 minutes. They'll play soccer for a half Mm -hmm. hour. And over the course of their two-hour span, their seven or eight buddies have played four different sports with a whole host of people that they may not know. And it's a little bit of what we hoped um, it would evolve into with uh, with that facility. And... That was our, our dream, that when we put the facility up, yes, it was going to impact Defender Athletics, and certainly Sioux Center Recreation was going to benefit from it too. But it was just, can it bring together people from all walks of life mm-hmm. from our community? And we've seen that happen. And so to hear you illustrate what you saw with your own kids in the mm-hmm. neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. uh, conjured up those thoughts of what is taking place at the yeah. American State Bank Sports Complex. Ross, why, why was that important for you to to create time and space for kids to play. Like, why? Like, you know, you have this, be- we have, for those who don't know, there's a beautiful facility that's been constructed in the, in the, and open in the last seven or eight months, and an indoor dome. It's absolutely be- beautiful, tons of space. But like I said, everybody wants a piece of it, and yet yeah. you're here saying, mm-hmm. protecting it, and saying, no, like, we actually have to have some unstructured time. They're like, why? It would install that. Why, Ross? Well, I, I do think when, we look at some of the pillars in our culture and society. We have athletics, we have politics, we have entertainment, as I alluded to a bit ago. And all of those have been tainted. Um, they are broken, they're fractured. And admittedly, um, athletics 
is in need of a great deal of redemption. And I think it can be achieved most quickly when you allow young people to work through, as Abby alluded to, some of their own challenges by themselves. I think that Mm -hmm. when they are given the ability to be creative, they can demonstrate they are. When Mm -hmm. we as adults stymie them, uh, we are cutting back some of those inhibitions. And Mm -hmm. certainly... uh, that's where the, the genesis of it comes from at. But I also think that uh, in God's perfect creation, you have people from all backgrounds who are playing unabated together, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just free. And yeah. so much of athletics is structured. It's mm-hmm. heavy for yeah. the people. It's, yeah. pa- it's pressure-packed. Yeah. Just go play. Yeah. And that facility has afforded that. Yeah. Hey, Ross, I was... I want a a bit of the elephant in the room is the role of parents in terms of some of the stress and anxiety that that athletes feel like, like I'm a parent. I know I've contributed. I've, (laughs) I've contributed to my daughter's not always flourish. No, I haven't done it well. I wish I, I wish I could have done it better. Right. And so when I'm thinking about this and it's not just parents, like there's a whole host of reasons, but, but I think we, at least I can tend to be over involved with it. So if I can ask personally for a minute, I know you have a son who plays golf in high school and he's at a very high level. And I've talked to more and more high school athletes who either are burned out by the end of high school mm-hmm. or by the end of university. Like, I know at some point one of my daughters said, I don't ever need to touch a volleyball game for our volleyball for a really long time. And she wasn't blaming anyone. It was just, I think, the pressure of it. So yeah. can I ask you just even as a dad, like when you see your son competing at a high level, and maybe advice for parents who are listening, how do you balance giving him support or structure and feedback and yet also trying to ensure that he doesn't lose some of the joy like is it is it possible for athletes to feel some of that freedom and joy how do you go about that as a parent yeah it's a great question Matt and I think if we could compose all the succinct answers for it we would be able to write books and be on the speaking circuit and (laughs) and make a lot of money but um, parents I think Generally, authentically mean well. Um, they want to. They want to do right for their their children. Um, they want to help them. I think we've seen parents, however, become very heavy-handed in that process, mm-hmm. and they want to um, ensure that every step of the way is being conducted and orchestrated in a way that permeates success for their children. And I think for. Some of us older folks who are in our 40s and 50s, we know that for the most part, our parents took a hands-off approach, and Mm -hmm. if we failed, there was a lot of beauty in that, Mm -hmm. and there were a lot Mm -hmm. of things that were taken from that, and I think parents, like I alluded to, they mean well, but they're scared to see their children fail, Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't know maybe perhaps how to mentor them and guide them after they do, and so perhaps it's easier beforehand to make sure that everything uh, Hmm. is going to be conducted just right. I think that with regards to parenting your own children, uh, we have three, and by no means have we done it perfectly at all. I think our first two would tell you that we were very uh, involved and too much involved (laughs) and that we... um, were, were the parents that wanted to see our, our children be too successful. And mm-hmm. you know, with our last one, we've just really taken a more hands-off approach. And he's playing a sport that I don't know all that well. And I, there's a lot of beauty to that. And mm-hmm. I, I think what I've learned you know, in 
my own parenting of our own children playing sports is less is more and at the end of the season, can they say they enjoyed it as much as they did on the first day of practice? And I think that's kind of the aim that, that we take. And yeah. um, we don't have conversations in the car about his golf game yeah. or, or anything else. It just doesn't get brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, we go there and we support him, and and uh, we just let things really fall as they might as they may. Athletics are again a great vehicle but we're playing the the 40-year game with athletics mm-hmm. right not the 40 yeah. not the four-year yeah, that's game. so important and what can he take from yeah. golfing on a cold windy friday afternoon that's mm-hmm. going to help him in 10 years Absolutely. when he's trying to navigate something a whole lot more challenging yeah. that's mm-hmm. really the whole point of it yeah I love that that idea of it's a 40-year, right, instead of a four-year. And so how are athletics serving them for the rest of their life instead of how is their life just serving their yeah. sport, right? Right, and, and when we think in terms of the four-year experience using high school, a lot of times now we're really wrapped up in math. This goes back to your preamble earlier of, you know, is it about scholarships? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it is uh, mm-hmm. in many cases. And I, I really liken it to the, the great race to nowhere, where we're working so hard and diligently as adults to see that our children get a scholarship. But at the end of the day, they're probably going to get it anyway if they mm-hmm. play half as many no. club games mm-hmm. or AU games as, as they are. Yeah, and to see folks um, miss church because of the fear that they need to be playing a Sunday morning basketball game or a softball game in front of college scouts. But I think we've lost some perspective of on that a bit. Yeah, no, well, well said. There's a, there's a quote I have in my office, Ross, by Gordon Swikon says, nothing matters but the kingdom of God, but because of the kingdom of God, everything, literally everything matters. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting when I talk to some people, like, like so athletics matters and arts matters and all the things that we do in, in high school and university, all these things matter. But if someone said to me, like, well, why, why should athletics matter? How would you respond to that? And what, mm-hmm. what wisdom might you give to coaches, athletic directors, school leaders about how, how do you go about giving it the right weight? Because it can matter too much. But I've also been in school, my own growing up experience, where it actually didn't matter at all. And I loved it. And I wanted it to actually oh, yeah. matter a little more. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. What, what wisdom might, might you give and why should it matter, Ross? Yeah, I think athletics are important, but certainly not the most important thing. They play a very viable role in the development and the nurturing of, of young people. I think, too, that athletics are part of the Lord's uh, creational order and creational structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he put play in front of us to mm-hmm. to enjoy and to use it as an opportunity to build and to develop. Uh, but it all has to be held in its its appropriate perspective and that i think is the charge to us as adults that we need to we need to do that and our children are looking to us for guidance and i think that a place like dort university we're trying to do that well and show that there is a better and there is a different way to administer athletics holistically and um certainly um as you alluded to earlier too matt we we strive to win but we don't believe that the tenets of the defender way where we're growing in our faith with the lord where we are trying to develop servant leaders, where we're helping each student athlete achieve their academic potential while pursuing championships yeah. are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that those can be intertwined yeah. and those four can be held together. Yeah. It takes work. It takes effort, certainly in the part of our staff. But 
there's 18 to 22-year-olds who are counting on us to administer those well. And to break those up and fragment them and compartmentalize them, I think we've missed a wonderful opportunity. They can be rolled into one, and we can pursue championships while walking um, strongly and vigorously in our relationship with the Lord. Essentially, there's wins to be had spiritually, academically, and athletically. Ross, so you've mentioned the Defender way. It's come up a couple of times now, and and you you spoke to it a little bit there. But I'm thinking about that in terms of, like, sometimes people feeling like they have a choice either between pursuing excellence in championships or doing it or... Or pursuing academics and not being able to do both and wholeness and flourishing. Mm. So I think we can put a link to the Defender Way in our show notes because yeah. I yeah. think there's a lot to be learned. I actually find it really peculiar in a beautiful way. Like it's something that I do think sets apart what we're doing here. But can you just talk a little bit? So for those who don't know, Dort University, our team name, we're the Defenders. But can you just share a little bit about the history, the context, like how it came about, why it's important? Yeah, just can you talk a little bit about it, Ross? Cause, because it really is peculiar. Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity, Matt. In 2018, a number of us on campus looked at our athletic department and we just really likened the potential that we had to that of a sleeping giant, that there was an opportunity Mm -hmm. to really utilize athletics more uh, holistically. And we have the task and framework at Dort University, which is such an impactful document that has really served us well for so long. And Mm -hmm. really, the Defender Way is an extension of that. Um, It's not its own... Uh, entity or brand that's off on the peripheral um, trying to to exist, but rather the Defender Way is an attempt to walk in lockstep with the mission and vision of, of Dort University. And we have seen pockets of greatness in Dort Athletics since its inception, but we haven't necessarily seen the consistency. And so we wanted to have um, consistent messaging with the university. We wanted to have consistent messaging within our athletic department, and we wanted to have greater degree of coaching accountability. And that's why the Defender Way, built on Romans 12, verse 1, how we play is how we worship, was initiated. And it's built on the model of continuous improvement, where we don't measure success using one small data point. It's a number of things, spiritual growth, academic, uh, mm-hmm. academic potential, how are we doing on the field. All of those things are, are taken into account when we measure success. And more importantly, we allow the head coaches to measure success. And I think that's where the Defender Way really takes roots. Our, coach, our head coaches in particular serve as CEOs of their program. And every July... That each head coach and myself will sit down and we'll formulate an 11-month game plan of how we're going to move the needle spiritually within the program. (laughs) What initiatives are we going to employ to ensure that the academic potential of all the student-athletes under their charge are being met? And what can we legitimately expect on the court from each Mm -hmm. team? Mm -hmm. And when the coach has the ownership of that, it becomes much more meaningful to that person, and thus it becomes more intimate between the coach and their student-athletes. And I don't think that this is uh, something that's foreign to Dort, because as I alluded to, it's been part of our fabric since 1955. Mm -hmm. I do think it's very foreign to Christian athletics. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we've done athletics well in Christian higher ed, and for that matter, in K-12 settings. I think in our reform settings, we've really struggled with where is the rightful place of athletics. 
you alluded to, where does winning fall in? Um, Can we win and still be good in the classroom and still be effective in our walk with the Lord? Or does it become an idol? And I think we've really tried to put athletics in in the K-12 setting in Christian higher ed on the peripheral and hope that it mirrors some of the good things that are happening (laughs) in our schools. But... We really aren't sure how to deal with it. And the defender yeah. way is we're going to embrace it. Yeah. It yeah. is a part of our fabric. I love that we call it a co-curricular at Dort versus an extracurricular. Yes. It's not just yes. semantics. There is a philosophy with it being co. In other words, what's happening on the soccer field can be as very much impactful as what's happening in a science lab. And they yeah. both hold weight in terms of nurturing and development. And I think when looked through those lens, the Defender Way has some real legitimacy to it. And our our prayer in 2019, after we had implemented for a year amongst our athletic department, was how can this be used externally? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is where your department, through mm-hmm. Tim Van Zolen, Case, which was implementing TFT in many schools, came to us and said, we have administrators and athletic directors who are tired. They would like to see something similar in the realm of coaching. Hence, CFT, Coaching for Transformation, Mm -hmm. was initiated. So Mm -hmm. we're excited to take it from the campus of Dort University and spread it to our friends in the uh, the the states and in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so we don't believe that it uh, should be kept mm-hmm. under a bushel. We believe what we're doing is very much revolutionary. Uh, so if, if there's athletic directors or school leaders who are interested in either the Defender Way or Coaching for Transformation, if we can put a link or something in our show notes or a way for them to get a hold of you or you can redirect them, yeah. you'd be. this is something you want to share with others, Ross. Absolutely, Matt. We want to be a resource. Um, we certainly want to help out K-12 mm-hmm. uh, schools in their pursuits to administer minister athletics christianly yeah i i just have to say too at this point as someone who i started in 2017 at dart so that was very close to the inception um and i've taught quite a few student athletes especially in gen ed courses and i just have to say that this is not just talk among the athletes and so i just want to pay you that compliment too i've had wonderful experiences with student athletes students sitting in my courses. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes as a younger female, that's not always Mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for me at the K-12 level sometimes. Um, And so I just want to put that plug in to your program uh, as well. Very nice of you to say Mm -hmm. that, Abby. Thanks so much. And I give the credit to our head coaches, you know, who understand the role of athletics on our campus. Mm -hmm. Um, They know that it has an intimate impact on their student athletes, and they use that platform to leverage their student athletes to to do well. And Mm -hmm. again, athletics plays a small role in their life. It's nothing that should be anything more than that, but it can play a role. And uh, yeah, it's really encouraging to hear you see that in the classroom playing out. Thank you. I just want to loop back to what you were saying about co-curricular. I, I love that, mm-hmm. that we that we say that at Dort. And, but just to encourage our, our listeners, too, like have that conversation at, at your school, among your faculty, among your staff, with your administrators. Like what is extra about extracurriculars, mm-hmm. right? And if it's something that the school should be offering, shouldn't it be part of your mission and vision and a way of embodying all of that, right? Well and, said, Dave. Yeah. That, that, that is well said. I mean, if we believe it's worth doing, then we need to believe it's worth doing well. Mm-hmm. And there's no no doubt that what goes on in Bible class and science class and math class 
supersedes what goes on on a basketball court to some degree. We understand that in athletics, but we also believe that we can play a viable role totally. in supporting the academic and, more importantly, the mission and vision of a school or institution. Yeah. Yeah. Ross, if, you, if someone was new to a position or a principal or an athletic director and they had, they had a sneaking suspicion maybe that, ah, I wonder if things are out of whack here, it doesn't feel as healthy as... To put you on the spot, what might be some self-reflection questions or assess? Like, how do you assess if it's healthy or if we're giving athletics the right the right way? Because because there might be school leaders out there who are like I don't even know what questions to to ask. Sure. So, what might be some markers of a of a healthy program? And if I may dare say, what might be some markers where maybe things are out of line a bit? Sure. Well, you know, to use an adage from the educational world, it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize, right? And mm-hmm. I think you see that in athletics, too. What is a school really emphasizing? Is it um, banners and trophies and results, or is it processes? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go on someone's social media, uh, is it promoting championships or is it promoting processes and i think you can find that out very quickly in about a 10 or 15 minute undercover of of what a school really promotes and for us uh certainly results are important but promoting processes is is really i think um the strength of the defender way and and christian athletics overall i think that's what we would love to see um out of a fully functioning christian athletic program is about processes that are being accentuated by the principal by the athletic director and by the coaches who are who are leading the student athletes and i think when we start to really Don t-shirts that emphasize the number of state championships um, versus what our mission is as an athletic department or a school, I do believe, to use your your adage, it does become out of whack. Yeah. Thank you so much for being yeah. here today. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks, really for, the, thanks for the opportunity. This is an awesome platform you guys have, and you yeah. built up uh, a listenership. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, it's keep it's doing the good work. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Just yeah. keep trying. Yeah. We do it together, and it's an easy place yeah. to work at from yeah. that standpoint, right? You're working okay. with so many good people, and yeah. and uh, you know it's a it's a blast. This is a special place. It's a unique place, but it's yeah. it's a yeah. special yeah. place. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Friends, we know that your time is valuable, and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. Conversation. Whether it's this day, this week, this month, or this school year, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And we want to send you here with a blessing. So to our listeners, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you have a great week. This podcast was literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is created and produced by Matt Beavers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Hey, we have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to rate this podcast or write a review in your podcast app? Or if you found this conversation interesting or helpful, would you consider sharing it on your social media? Those things really do help podcasters out, and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks for listening, friends. So maybe that's, that's even a cool. good like, question to say. Like, you have a son who's playing hockey. How do you, how do you help him continue to <laughs> Not watch? hockey. Right. Golf. Golf, not hockey. Let's just say you had a son who played hockey. That's a Freudian well, slip. No, I know. I don't usually require outtakes. Yes. Let me just say yeah. that. She usually is not the problem. I'm not saying I'm just. There's no lies. That would not be the outtake. That is awesome.